0: It's tough, tough. I mean, this is a resilience with the kids. They've always proved that.
1: You can see that just Duquesne, Pitt. I mean, we
2: have great programs here in Pittsburgh, and it's nice to be part of one of the best.
3: I think it
4: means that the college soccer scene here in Pittsburgh is going to get better and better every single year.
0: It bodes well for the game, the college game here in Pittsburgh. Welcome, everybody, to the Pittsburgh Scholastic Soccer Show. I'm Mike. Joining me is our Pittsburgh soccer professor, John Krasinski. John, it's, it's been a little while since our last show. How's it going?
5: It's, it's going well. It's been uh, quite a winter. Uh, it hasn't been too cold, but it was really interesting to see snow on the soccer field today at uh, Highmark Stadium, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, all's well. All's well. How about you? I, you're everywhere. You're doing all these other things with the uh, beautiful game network and uh, Mongols, and uh, it's, it's great to hear uh, a lot of the things that, uh, that you're doing
0: as well. Thanks John. It's it's a mutual admiration society over here. Congrats on uh, you just <laughs> put out a piece about, you know, your second anniversary over at the uh um Pittsburgh Soccer Report. So kudos on that and lots of great things coming there. But yeah, no, we've got we've got a bunch of shows going on here over at uh, BGN. But uh this one we're really excited to uh to talk about. You you've been doing some legwork here getting around and talking to a whole bunch of people getting a whole bunch of interviews um basically all centered around this idea of you know college signing day um the hounds had their the hounds academy national letter of intent signing day so this is where high school players sign letters of intent for the colleges they plan on attending um and once again the hounds had a big party for the development academy graduates you were there john what what was it like what was the atmosphere like there
5: it was very uh, festive. It was it was great to see um, a lot of excitement. Especially, it's all about you know the players. It's all about those young student athletes getting ready to take that next big step. And you know the the hounds this year. It's the second year that they've done this, so they've they've ramped things up another notch. I think last year, the first year, they had you know a photo ops and stuff on the field there was some Q&A but the the ceremony was mostly pretty standard they were running people through signing the letters of intent they were doing some media stuff but this year I think they they took it to another level they they made it into like a sit down dinner and uh, buffet after and you know they gave each uh athlete a chance to to do to to you know to get up there with their parents and their loved ones and and, and get the Real uh, pomp and circumstance, if you will, with all of that, and, and it was good, good that they're they're doing that and they're celebrating that. And of course, you know, the Riverhounds Academy. Of course, I was there that day, but it was National Letter of Intent Day, didn't mean it was just um, just the Riverhounds Academy players. And I think that's the one thing that you know we we saw this year. I, I saw a lot of this year. Was it, it's very hard to keep track of all of these young soccer, uh, high school seniors that are making their decisions, uh, you know, obviously in other realms in the city, you know, especially with football, it was the same day as national letter and Penn day football. And of course the media is swarming all over and, and make, you know, um, <clears throat> covering a lot of that. But in Pittsburgh, you know, I was surprised to see the depth, the depth of particularly on the girl's side, but on the boy's side too, is very impressive. Um, you know, list of, of, of a lot of the, where the players were heading and the, to, to get to the next, going to the next level. Um, we probably will not have any, enough time today to go through each player um, at each level. But having been at the Riverhounds Academy um, celebration, you know, it, it was really great to see a lot of these young ladies that, I, you know, we've watched, I've watched them play since they were younger um, and, and get to this point. So it was really, it was an exciting day and I, I had a great, great time really just interacting with not only the players and some of the coaches and uh, some of the people that were involved.
0: Yeah, it was definitely something great to see. You know, all the pictures were floating around coming out from the Hounds. Um, you had a write up on a number of the different colleges that were recruiting, and a number of the of the different players that were being recruited. You were sort of on top of it over the course of those few days. Um, so it, it really mm-hmm. is, and, and we'll talk about it here. You know, towards the end of this show about the uh, the, the mm-hmm. progress that's been made here in just the Pittsburgh area over just a short period of time. Um, it's impressive. It, it really is. Yeah. So, so um,
5: yeah, and and. The players are coming from like I said, from clubs from all over the the area and and like you said, we'll get to that at the end of the at the end of the show and some other pressing issues talk more about yeah um you know how everything's made up in this area in terms of clubs that set up.
1: Yeah,
0: so let's let's talk about a few of the local teams that we talk that we've talked about, you know, all season on this classic soccer show. What was the college soccer mm-hmm. show? Um, you know, Pitt's incoming mm-hmm. class, the the women's team, uh, they're bringing in two uh, local girls. We've already talked to, well, you talked to uh, Adina O'Donohue um, from Cannon Mac, the U.S. national team. She projects to be an outside back for Pitt's women's team, and uh, Alexis Bengel mm-hmm. from Highlands, who's been a teammate of Do- O'Donohue's with the Riverhounds Academy, also an outside back. Um, it's encouraging. I mean, you know, we've talked about this, where we'd like to see some of these colleges recruiting some of this local talent, and, and definitely, you know, at Pitt, and we're going to talk about some of the other schools that's paying off, but you got an opportunity to talk to Alexis specifically, um, you know, about uh, uh, her expectations and why she chose Pitt, so so let's take a listen there.
3: All right, yeah, we're here with Alexis. Uh, congratulations. Thank um, you. Big day for you. What's yeah. what's the what's the emotions right now?
6: Um, I'm just really excited. Um, I'm really excited for like the next level and playing in college. And I'm really close to home, so it's gonna be fun being close to home.
3: Yeah, I was just talking to Tori about that and her yeah. decision to go to uh, over to du- Duquesne. But um, but for you <laughs> to play at home. Play at Pitt. I yeah. mean, just maybe, just talk about that.
6: Um, I think it's going to be really exciting. Like, it's an ACC school, so it's going to be really competitive. But I'm just ready to like get in and learn and try my best and try to prove myself. So.
3: so what was the uh, the appeal? Obviously, beyond staying home, the coaching staff or, or um, just the fact. Just
6: well, the coaches were really inviting. Um, they took me on like a five-hour tour when I went and. The facilities are just amazing, and I think the school itself is just really great, and I think my favorite part is probably the cathedral of mm-hmm. learning. I think that's probably going to be my favorite part, academic-wise.
3: And then so, speaking of academics, is, do you have an idea of what you're going to be doing? Um, yet,
6: I'm thinking political science. I kind of want to go to law school, so I'm thinking maybe that. And I think they have a good program, so I could go pretty far with that.
2: Okay, um, can you describe the emotion when you open your letter? and? if your parents were with you when you opened it
6: um, or I mean it, it's, it was just really exciting like I knew that it was like time for me to commit so it was kind of, I mean it was just kind of really exciting for me I guess
1: um,
2: uh, with our academy what will you take with you I guess uh, from our, your training with you at the collegiate level
6: um, I think our training is really really high intensity and really competitive so I think that that's going to be a good turn into college and just having that competitiveness and like that drive Playing college, I think it's going to help.
2: And kind of going off of that, uh, what are you looking forward to playing at the collegiate level um, and furthering your career?
6: I'm just kind of excited to like learn new things and just better myself, I guess, in college.
2: And I believe, you, sorry, about that. Uh, I believe you are on the 2013 national title.
6: Uh, yes, I believe. So. Yeah.
2: Um, Like, Can you describe that moment when you're here and just any other uh, moments you'll take with you?
6: Um, I think that was probably one of the greatest moments for me. Um, I actually scored the winning goal so it was kind of really exciting and then afterwards we were all like hugging and crying and stuff and I just I think I'll remember that for the rest of my life.
3: And to kind of piggyback on that you know you've had you've experienced a lot with this group here Um, everybody's kinda going their separate ways but um, as what does that say for Pittsburgh soccer, for, for what you guys accomplished not only in 2013 and, and all these years you've been together, but also, you know, that a lot of you, some of you are staying home, like yeah, uh, um, like I think I think it's
6: great for, for the school, and I think for Pitt, it's great just to be close to home. And for Riverhounds, I think it's good because it shows that, like, soccer in Pittsburgh is growing and that we do want to stay home and close to home because... When whenever we want, we can come back here and kind of train and kind of like play with our with our team. And I know, like in in the summer and like over Christmas break, a lot of the girls came home and mm-hmm. they were training with the team because it's just a good program and we don't really ever want to leave. So,
3: and obviously they they had a rough year last year, and I'm sure you saw that mm-hmm. firsthand yourself. Um, but you know, w- what's the attitude from the coaches and and really what what are you looking forward? What are they telling you about what you can you know your potential role there
6: for a pit. pit um I mean we haven't really talked a lot about mm-hmm. that but I just I think they brought in a new coaching staff mm-hmm. so we have a couple new assistant coaches and I think that they're really going to turn around the program and try to I guess get some wins
3: it would be fun to play with Aideen too right?
6: yes yes we've been playing on the same team for I think four or five years so we're really close it's it's going to be fun
3: good congratulations so, yeah. and we'll
6: be looking forward congrats. to watching you play thank pit. you yeah, thank you all right thank you
0: all right. So really good stuff from Alexis. Um, you know, she sort of stressed that uh, the Hounds Academy, um, the, the high intensity training with the Hounds Academy really felt that she's more prepared for college. Um, and I think that's a good sign. I mean, there's there's a number of programs in the area where it seems like a lot of the, the players feel like they're making a massive jump and it makes it much more difficult for them. But I guess one of the the great things about the Academy itself is, is, you know, that next level that's really preparing kids for this, for for the college programs. You know, I think there were 20 some girls that, uh, that signed from the, the Hounds Academy uh, at the National Letter of Intent Day. So um, really good stuff there. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have anything else to add from that interview or not. You, you like I said, you, you did all the legwork and got to talk to her. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah.
5: Yeah. You know, it was nice to hear, you know, we spoke with Aideen and I, I had a chance to talk to her a little bit too that day as well. But, you know, it was nice to hear from Alexis. And one of the things she, she talked a little bit about was the uh, the fact that, you know, I asked her straight up, I said, you know, Pitt's had a really rough year and you know, what are your expectations and, you know, why did you choose Pitt? And, and she was really optimistic about the, some of the new assistant coaches um, yeah. that Greg Miller is bringing in. Uh, you know, she's very, she's looking at this is, you know, to be a part of a program, um, to be able to turn around a program, um, like Pitt, And, you know, they, they were making strides until last year. I think uh, the women's program uh, was making some strides until last year. So they hit a little bit of a snag, but the fact that she can play with a um, you know, be on the same team again. Um, you know, she was really excited about that. And, uh, you know, I think she spoke about some, somewhat about the facilities and, mm-hmm. um, just the university and, and, uh, the fact that to have two players, I believe, out of five, um, plus I think they do have one January uh, player that's come in in mid-semester, uh, th- it speaks well, because that means they're, you know, they lost to a Duquesne team <laughs> earlier this, you know, in the beginning of the season that had, and we'll talk about them, uh, that had a lot more local players, so I think there's something to be said for that. it'll be something to be said for having some, <laughs> you know, a couple players that can have their own family and their friends and, you know, a lot of supporters there uh, cheering them on because that's the one thing that seems to be missing a little bit um, in in terms of atmosphere for both of the pit teams uh, is, is just generating fan support. And other than the student, some of the students that do come out.
0: Yeah, no. And that was sort of a continuing theme. It sounded like um, is being close to home, having family that can come and, and having that additional support because, you know, let's be honest. And we've talked about this a little bit on, on previous shows we, we've both went through college, like going to college is tough enough, but then trying to balance, um, you know, a, a, a an athletic program on top of that, you know, some of that have such high standards as the ones that uh, all these players are going to can be difficult. So having additional support can help you succeed even just a little bit more. Um, Pitt did release their, and, or, or go ahead, John. Mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm. I, I just want to say one other thing. You know, the other theme, I think you'll get this from a lot of recruits that play at Pitt is. just it's all about playing in the ACC. You know, mm-hmm. they that's the that's the high water mark. You know, that's the by far the best soccer league, both men's and women's um in the country and that's that's really the standard. And to be able to have that opportunity I think they they these are players that wanna play against top competition, so that's good to see.
0: Yeah. Um Pitts Women's Team, they released their spring schedule, so they're gonna be playing Penn State on February twenty fifth, and then they'll follow that up with games against Saint Bonaventure, West Virginia, Pitts men's team on April seventh, and then Ohio State on April twenty second. Um on the flip side. When's
5: the uh where's the uh where's the uh Penn State game? Is that local or is that at Penn State?
0: I believe that's at State College. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. On the flip side, Pitt's men's team announced their spring schedule. Um, they're going to be playing Sigma FC, which is a Division One school from Canada, on uh, February 24th. They'll actually face the Riverhounds at home. Um, on March 4th, and then uh, after that, they'll follow up with Zucane. They're going to drive across the state to play Penn, uh, and then they'll also take on Michigan and Georgetown, which I think are two firsts for the program. Um, so really playing mm-hmm. some some tough teams here this spring, which is good, because again, you know, we talked about how the men's team did not have the best season, but it's going to take a little while for uh you know jay vidovich to sort of build something from the ground up and and help it progress through you know the multiple years that it's going to take to really see the fruits of that labor so um Mm -hmm across town we have uh duquesne's incoming class so the women's team again is bringing in two local players um it looks like dina dibaldo from fox chapel she's a midfielder and uh tori kopchak from mars uh, who's also part of the riverhounds development academy she projects to play as either a midfield or a forward you again had a chance to talk to tori let's let's have a listen here to see what she had to say
3: all right i'm here with tori uh Congratulations on signing! Thank you. Uh, Duquesne, you're gonna stay local. Yep. What's that? What's that feel like, dude?
1: Um, it's definitely nice to have my family there, so they can come to all the games. Cause I thought about it, and if I go far away, it'd be hard for them to travel. So I'm really excited to see them, and they can come up on the weekends, and I can come home if I need to.
3: Is this something that you always wanted to do? Is this? It was, you've been pl- probably playing soccer since you were a little girl, and. This, um, is this, or is this well, you
1: definitely uh, need to think about it before whether or not you want to play in college. But um, I do love playing soccer, and you have to love the game to keep wanting to play. So I decided that I do want to play, and I'm very excited about it.
3: So how your experiences here with the Riverhounds Academy and in high school as well? Like, just talk about some of those experiences and how they helped you uh, along the way and, and really make you the player that you are today. Um,
1: definitely high school um, taught me to get along with a lot of other different players since we all don't play together year round. It's just a season. So um, playing with different players and having chemistry on and off the field is really important for high school season and spending a lot of time with those girls for four years and just really um, getting the team together on and off the field was really exciting and it was a good season. All four years was really fun for me. And then um, I actually just recently joined Riverhounds, but it's been a really good experience so far. It's a lot different than other teams I've played with, but um, the technical side and like learning new skills every time I come to practice is really good, and it's definitely going to get me prepared for college.
3: Yeah, and and what was the appeal uh, about Duquesne? I mean, coach... Coach Abilene, uh the team, the fact that they won the A-10 two years ago, mm-hmm. or was there any any specific consideration? Um,
1: definitely the A-10 win kind of rung a bell in my head, and I went down, I looked at it. I've been there many times, but um, when I actually went and met with the coaches and sat down and talked about everything and met with some of the players and toured the campus again, I really fell in love with it all over again. So it was exciting just to be up there and actually, like, picture me going there
3: right yeah. and and the fact that it's you know I already asked you this and you talked about it's great to be close to home and everything but, but also what, what does this speak for Pittsburgh soccer especially from uh, girls soccer in Pittsburgh to have so many local recruits going to, especially to Duquesne Mm -hmm. right now, it seems like the program is being built around a lot of local players.
1: Yeah, I think it's good to have a lot of local players as well as bring some in because there are some girls in my class from New York, New Jersey, so we have a variety of players. But um, definitely I think people are attracted to staying local, especially if you're playing a sport. And the campus of Duquesne is beautiful within the city but close to home and the suburbs, so it's nice.
3: And what are you thinking about in terms of your uh, academic
1: uh, Um I'm actually going to go into business. Um, I want to go into marketing, preferably, so. Okay. Something right. along those lines. Yeah.
3: Excellent. I'm sure you'll have a lot of time to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, well, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for the time,
0: and uh, good luck with <laughs> your experience at the Cane. We'll much. be watching you.
1: All right. Thank you. Nice meeting you. All
0: right. So, again, you know, Tori sort of echoing the importance of having her family nearby and, uh, you know, really stressing that that the women's team's A-10 win, not this past season, but the year before that, was sort of the catalyst that really made her take a closer look at Duquesne. Um, and, you know, that can only be good for the program going forward, right?
5: Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, and I think there's just momentum. It's just there's just momentum building with with uh, the continuous influx of local players and, and, and that have, that, uh, put their stamp on this program. And there, you know, it's, it's just continuing, you know, to, to bring in Debaldo and, um, you know, and Kopchak and even, uh, a player f- from a little further up North, uh, as well, but, you know, having, um, um, Bell as well, um, uh, China, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's really, uh, that's good. You know, Lauren Bell. She was from Hickory High School up in Hermitage, but she came down here uh, and played in the Beedling program. In fact, their connection—it seems like uh, Duquesne women's program. There's a real strong connection with a lot of players uh, from the Beedling Beadling program, the South Hills-based um, program, but uh, that have a lot of women that have played in the Duquesne program from Beedling, um So over the years, so uh, and of course, you know, they have such a, a you know, as I mentioned, there's a number of the former um, local player, uh, former WPIAL players like uh, you know Lasco and Kira Murphy and mm-hmm. you know just a number of them, um, Malaya Fabian, you know uh, Marley Smith. There's um, just a number of players who are still on that roster. So um, again, it just they keep building and and you know good for Coach Alvini. He's uh, I, I saw him a couple times just you know. There, doing the recruiting thing just out and about at games and things like that so he's he's definitely has his eye on a lot of the players in this region
0: yeah Duquesne's definitely both their men's and women's program are, are exciting ones to watch here um, you know not that Pitt isn't it just seems that Duquesne may be a little bit further along in that building process um, but uh, you know I think
5: they're just more in the competitive They're. I think they're just you know they're just right now very competitive in their conference they mm-hmm. both are at that level where they can compete, and I, I think they both feel they can compete for an Atlantic Ten title, um, or or want you know to be at that level.
0: Yeah, and you uh, you got a chance to yeah. talk to to Chase Brooks, who's the men's teams coach. Their incoming class uh, was ranked in the top twenty nationally by Top Drawer Soccer, which is amazing um they have one local kid who signed with them brendan i think it's ackett i apologize if i mispronounced that Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah so he played for plum and also locally for arsenal uh midfield attack minded and creative let's uh let's hear what uh you and chase had to to discuss here um and uh specifically about brendan
3: i'm here with chase brooks here at the uh, Century United's um, soccer showcase and Chase uh, Duquesne University. have had a pretty good year last year. Um, you made it to the playoffs in the A10, and you know, obviously, uh, some ups and downs along the way, but an impressive um, winning streak, uh, shutout streak, and yeah, among other you. things. So, thank you. Um, Take me through your mindset now in the off-season, what's, what's going on? You know, this off-season for us
2: really is about uh, improving in the, the individual. Um, we as a team really battled hard this last year and, and, and really fought tooth and nail for every result we got, and, and now as the off-season has kind of hit into full swing, it's about each individual improving every single day that we step onto the field, and uh, we really set goals for each player and have them really take a hand in their own development. Um, you know again if uh, if the players want to get better under NCAA rule it's really got to come from them intrinsically can they push themselves day in and day
3: out so that's what our springs about and uh, have you guys been been able to get outside much or we have the weather's uh, been yeah.
2: cooperating very nicely so we are yeah. uh, very fortunate with that and uh, it's been nice
3: to uh, get a few run outs on Rooney field now do you have a uh, I seen I've seen some spring schedules out I haven't I don't know if I've seen yours uh, do you have any yeah to share? yeah we actually um,
2: uh, it'll be out on the website probably here that's in the next fair. week or two. Um, our first game is actually February 26th. It's a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. against the Riverhounds okay. here at Cool Springs. Right. Okay. So that'll be our first
3: one. I and actually then, thought uh, that was an evening. That's uh, a that's a, 8 a a morning. Okay. 8 a.m.
2: Yeah, we're, we're bright and early. Gluttons yeah. for punishment. Right. Um, but yeah, I and mean, then we've got uh, we got a few other teams on the schedule. We got Pitts, uh, Penn State. Um, who else do we got? Uh, a few other people. So yeah, it's, it's a good schedule. We're, we're happy we got St. Francis on the schedule. So all good teams. We're really trying to push our guys uh, hard this spring.
3: So talk a little bit about the recruiting uh, part of things. It's been a kind of a whirlwind last couple of weeks, at least for me. I know just keep right. it, trying to keep up with everything. But seeing your class uh, seemed like a pretty good class. But maybe uh, even before we talk about that, just maybe talk about some of the things that you're looking in player, looking for in a player, and I like being here today. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the type of things
5: you're looking for?
2: One of the biggest things that we're looking for is character. Mm-hmm. Um, our culture is huge for us. Um, mm-hmm. We're a hardworking team. We're a no-nonsense type of team. Um, we're a team that wants to, again, be intrinsically motivated and push from within. So, uh, guys, got to fit that model uh, first and foremost. And then from there, again, you're looking for the best players you can possibly find. Um, you know, you got to be athletic enough to compete at Division One, but you got to be technically solid enough to uh, and proficient enough to execute the game plan. Um, every situation is different. Every year is different. Um, this year. Uh, both my assistants, Robert and Josh, did a very good job ID'ing players and, and really getting after it. And, and again, that, that's, that's paid off uh, very nicely for us as you know, top drawer soccer I named just one of the top 25 recruiting classes
3: in the nation, and we're extremely happy about that. What, I mean, what's the, how, what was it like the last few weeks had before letter of Intent Day? Were you guys pretty much, <coughs> is it typical to have most of the guys you want already kind of in the bag? Or is Yeah, it, yeah, just? absolutely.
2: So um, most everybody was committed. Yeah. Uh, and we've known about most of them for weeks, if not months. Um, a lot of guys are committing August, September, October, uh, going into that senior year. So we were pretty good about that. you know. Our fear is always, you know, are they gonna get stolen late? Um, do any of the big big dogs come in and, and try to take them? And we're very fortunate, again, with our recruiting. We, uh, we try and find the character guys, guys that really believe in what we're doing at Duquesne, so we try to limit that that risk of them decommitting late in the process,
3: and again, we've been very fortunate with it. And I uh, really probably don't have time to go through all the players, but at least talk a little bit about Brendan, uh, the local yeah. player from Plum yeah, yeah. and uh you excited know.
2: about brendan he's got good size good mobility very good technically he loves to run at players and um he has a he has a confidence and a swagger about him that uh that you need at division one so especially as an attack minded player so uh, we're looking forward to him getting out and, and having a run out with the guys yeah i was
3: going to ask you about that he's being an attack attacking minded creative um kind of where do you see i mean i'm sure it's way way early but right. when bringing in a player when you first bring him in what are where you What what are your expectations for a player like that? Yeah,
2: we're looking for Brendan to compete at the number 10 spot and and see what he can do. But, uh, again, versatility is a big part of what we do. We know he could probably play in a 7 or 11 role for us as well. And just uh, excited to see how he
3: fits the puzzle. Uh, And then just talk about, I think I've probably asked you this before, but just, again, soccer in this area, um, Mm -hmm. seeing a a showcase like this, Mm -hmm. a lot of coaches coming from all over, um... Five years ago, was it about five years ago when you first got to this area. Yeah, Have yeah. you seen the growth? Is it is it here? Is it
2: is it happening? The nice thing is, especially at the addition of Cool Springs as a complex, it just gives the players in this area even more space to compete in and get better year-round. So, it, it does appear to be that players are getting better. Again, the first couple years, we really didn't pull a lot of players from the Pittsburgh area in the first first year or two. And in the last few recruiting classes, it's been at least one, if not one, two or three. So, you know, that we're IDing and trying to go after. And this year's class in particular, the 2017s, I mean, you can see it with uh, two kids that we're going to see in the next game and that are committed to Akron. Just, mm-hmm. And then a the kid that's going to Northwestern, a the kid is going to Santa Clara. It's, right. it's a very talented group in this 2017 class. And, and my hope is that, obviously, that continues. It, it only pays, again, dividends
3: for us as we move forward. Yeah, and then to see the type of clubs that come here. I mean, we're looking at right now, as we, you and I are talking, you got the Columbus crew and Celtic from Baltimore yeah. playing against each other. Um, just some real quality teams. Absolutely. Here. Yeah, the talent level is great on a day like today. Um,
2: and for us, it's just about uh, enjoying the day and, and seeing where we can go.
3: All right, well, thanks for your time. I'll, I'll let you get back to watching again. I appreciate it. Thank All you. Right. Thank you.
0: So, you know, Chase sort of... Um, emphasizing you know that culture is just so important and uh, you know one of the things that I hadn't considered prior to you know listening to your discussion with him was this idea of how difficult it may be to recruit um, you know top notch players to uh, some, to a school like Duquesne when you have some of these larger schools that can sort of swoop in and, and woo some of them um, and him talking specifically mm-hmm. about you know really finding guys that um, where where the culture is such that they value going to Duquesne more than trying to go to one of these bigger schools and, and try their hand somewhere else, it's it's more of a personality trait, which I, I felt that I I found to be very interesting.
5: Yeah, and you'll you'll see a lot of even at the even at the level at, with, where Pitt's at at the ACC, uh, you know, coaches, the recruiters, you know, the the connection that they make with the players, all those things are very very important. And, of course, you know how coaches are in terms of how they want to build their teams, and, um, you know, character is important. I think that a lot of the times you'll hear coaches say that all the time. But you, you can see that w- w- in, in Chase's, uh, uh, and his assistant coaches are, you know, spending a lot of time rec- doing a lot of the recruiting. I actually spent, I was at the uh, Century uh, Uniteds um, College Showcase this weekend, and they were, you know, they were, they were there from, you know, both days and morning and night. Uh, morning, afternoon, and night. So, you know, these guys are really, they're they are um, watching every player that they can possibly watch. So, um, but yeah, it's great to see, again, to, to, to bring in a quality player like, um, uh, Brendan, and then, of course, you know, who's a creative, yeah. attacking mid-type player. I watched him play for Plum uh, a number of times. Uh, just, just clearly the, if not the best player on the field, one of the best players on the field, um, in the games that I saw him play, um, and then he gets to uh, you know play alongside one of his uh, you know Ryan Landry, uh, a local player from Shaler, who also played also played at um, Arsenal as well so so there 's a couple you know again players of note that, that, that Duquesne uh, will have on their roster
0: yeah, no, absolutely, um, and I also thought it was interesting how you know we talk about all the rules with uh, the NCAA and how you know players can only really play and train with the team at certain times during the year and, you know we really went into that i think that was the last show but chase sort of you know reemphasizing that it makes it difficult and it really puts a lot more on the individual players to be out there and training and working hard um a lot of times on their own um, just because they're not allowed to be involved with certain things with the team at certain times of the year, uh, and and still you know sure. continuing to see that progression and and, and growth in the players um, is really really good. So um,
5: yeah, he talked. Uh, uh, that was a, I think it was the first question I asked him. He was he was like uh, how is the off season going? And and he was just talking about the regiment, what they're doing, like every step of the way. Even now, and like you're thinking to yourself, it's January February, you know, yeah. I think you know they they could be taking taking it easy, but not at all. And um, you know, the one thing I was found intriguing about what he said about Brendan, too, is that uh, he, he'd like, he like, I think he wants, I think one of the things we didn't see a lot out of Duquesne last year was, do, will they have the ability to have dangerous attacking scoring uh, type players uh, can, can, and he seemed like he was willing to. Give Brendan the chance to compete for that number ten you know spot and uh but also said he was versatile enough to play in you know in other areas maybe on the outside or or wherever he would needed to be played and that's a very important asset for especially a freshman coming into the college situation to be able to you know what uh, jump in and play uh uh you know help wherever the team needs him um and and that's very very important and coaches look for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's yeah. let's uh, let's move on away from the colleges a little bit and just talk about you know you were at this whole um, event down at uh, Highmark Stadium with the River Hounds um, and talk a little bit about the significance of the Hounds Development Academy in our region and you know personally you know we do the uh or i do the the mongol show which is more focused on the riverhounds pro team and we've given the development academy a lot of flack in the past um more so from the non-traditional relationship with the pro team but honestly i mean when you step back and you look at just the results of the academy itself nobody can deny that we're seeing tangible proof of something working here where we're we're having so many young players move through. Like I said, like 20-some um, women from the Hounds Development Academy go on and play now in college, and some of them in local schools. So you actually got a chance to uh, to talk to Jason Cutney, who is the Academy Youth Development Director, um, about this. And, and let's see what he had to say.
3: All right, I'm with Jason Cutney. Um, Jason, it's the second year now you've done this uh, more of a formal celebration of all these uh, academy players now that will be moving on to the next level in college. Um, just take me through your 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 thought process today and, or what your emotions are about seeing this come to fruition for another year. I think we're just
4: proud you know it's a proud moment for us as coaches to see our players get to this next step of their their career. You know, our job is just to kind of prepare them as best we can for those types of challenges that lie ahead. I went through it as a player. I know signing day is certainly, a, a, for me, it was February 2nd, 2000. You know, that's it's a long time ago, of course. But it's just one of those things where you, you think back on those days very fondly. And we want to give all these players that same type of moment. You know, they deserve it. They earned it. This is about them. And I'm just not only just a Riverhounds kid, but I'm just kind of proud that this area in general has produced as many soccer players as it has because Pittsburgh is showing that it is a viable soccer market. And... When kids are going on to the universities that they're going to, whether it's from Riverhounds or another club in the area, that speaks volumes about the way the game has grown.
3: Well, and on top of that, you know, in addition to that, you, you look at some of the some of the girls have made decisions to go wherever they, you know, some have going far away. But but the, the, the good thing that we've seen is that some are, have made the decision to stay close to home, like to be here in Pittsburgh. Um, a number of players have chosen, not just with the academy, but around the area are going to be going to Duquesne. Duquesne seems to be... Grabbing a lot of good young players, both girls, females and males, Um, and then of course a couple of your players chose to go to Pitt too, and hopefully help rebuild that program too. Um, Your thoughts on uh, those programs, particularly, and and the influence that um, the Hounds Academy players will have.
4: Well, yeah, I'm a Duke, so having gone to Duquesne, certainly, it's, you know, I've, I've a lot to, a lot of great things to say about the school to players in our system that are interested in Duquesne. I think Al has done a great job with Brian over there. they just, they're good guys, first and foremost. They're good recruiters. They're genuine, you know, and so a lot of people just kind of look at that school as being a, just a great first-class institution that they can go participate in. Pitt, I think, you know, look, it's, it's got all the resources in the world to be an amazing program. It's in the ACC you know, sure, they have work to do, but I think it's a great sign to have players like Alexis and Dean going there. You know, Dean obviously had a commitment elsewhere, changed that to go to Pitt. Wants to stay home. Wants to represent Pittsburgh. Those things are really important. I, the way I think about it, I'm a Jersey guy. I think about Rutgers and Rutgers football. Years ago, took a step with Greg Schiano where they tried to focus on just the best New Jersey players for football, and they did it, and that program turned around. Next thing you know, Greg Schiano's in the NFL because of what he did there. But that formula can work for Pittsburgh too, and I think Duquesne and, and Pitt focusing on that, as well as Robert Morris and all the others in the area, it, if you can keep your best talent at home, you got to do so.
3: Absolutely, and maybe um, let's talk a little bit about the youth level. You know where where things are going. It just seems like it things keep going up and up and up. You know, obviously you started the, this this the academy, um, you know, a number of years ago. It's yeah. first. You took a lot of baby steps, and and maybe you talked a little bit about this earlier. But just kind of where where are where are things now, and where do you really see things going in the next few years?
4: I mean, from the point I got out to Pittsburgh, which was to attend Duquesne University. You know, after that, I went and played professionally around the country, returned back here, and so really got settled back in in 2006 or so. Um, The the game has changed drastically since that time, and. I think a big part of it is just the cultural shift. There's a lot of young parents now that grew up playing soccer in this area. Their children are now playing soccer, so the culture is being passed on. When I first came out here for school, especially at Duquesne, most of the young parents I was meeting through whatever channels that you know it might present themselves, they didn't grow up with soccer. They grew up with football and baseball and basketball. So culturally their children were kind of separated. I'm seeing that started definitely to, to transcend into what you see on the field. Kids are just watching soccer they love soccer their families are watching soccer together they're, they're talking about it on the car ride to and from the game at an educated level so I think that's one big piece the other piece you know and I, I do hope the Riverhounds have contributed in, in this respect but we're just another part of this whole growing movement you know Pittsburgh you look at girls like Megan Klingenberg that makes a big difference when you can get a, a young player out of this area and get up to the pinnacle of the game whether it's the men's or the women's side there is a cascade down impact for the rest, and so we're trying our best here, just like every other club in the area, try to get those two or three players catapulted to the for the highest level possible, and see what the benefits are that trickle down to all the rest.
3: Uh, and that leads me to the next part. You know, obviously, there's a lot of players um, in and around the area that um, are coming through through different clubs and stuff, and you know, and, and so again what are the challenges that still lie there? Especially in terms of, you know, getting everybody kind of on the same page in this area. Like maybe some other areas have other major soccer hotbed areas or even just metropolitan areas that have, you know, uh, MLS teams or even USL type level teams or even women's uh, professional teams. And and how things can really, you know, how we can develop more homegrown talent that will make it to their very highest levels.
4: I think the key challenge for us is you know we, we have to make sure we get to a point where we focus on ceilings rather than walls in between and what I mean by that is you know it, it's hard in the youth soccer market it is a business and so when it's a business there's people's livelihoods that are at stake it becomes a tenuous situation without any question the formation of our youth academy started that tough strain with relationships in the area And we understand that, you know, we we understand that fully, we own up to it. But at the end of the day, I think we just all as a group need to work on the ceiling, right? The ceiling meaning how can we push the players to the highest level rather than focusing on these walls that exist between our club and that club and that club and that club. Because at the end of this day, we are all trying to get players onto the highest level. And that's a challenge all around the country, not just in Pittsburgh. But what we're going to try to do here as we go forward is, you know, especially with the USL-MLS relationship, work with columbus crew we're in a very good working relationship with them right now on the pro side which is stretching into the youth side as well and we're going to hopefully get to a point where we can work hand in hand with other clubs in our area multiple clubs that all subscribe to that same vision you know can we push a player through a system and get them to the highest level and the highest level is not Riverhounds. it's right now columbus crew you know or dc united or someone else but we understand that just in the same way that when you send robbie vincent onto dc That has a net effect on our pro team. We see that, right? We all saw that last year, but it's right by the game of soccer to do that. You know, you can't hold a player like that back. We look at the youth the same way. If we can take the best players in this system and we can send them on, and if they were passed to us from another club in our area, that club needs to be recognized for all the work that they've done. You know, tonight we have three players from other clubs that committed while with those clubs and joined us. You know, so you have Tori Kopchak and, and Megan Virgin, they committed as Beedling players. Um, you have Marissa Johnson, who committed as a Victory Express player. Those clubs deserve the recognition, and that's why we stated it tonight. We'll state it in the press release. But, you know, I think for the last six, seven, eight years, we've, we've all focused a lot on the walls in between us. And hopefully we can start just focusing on the ceiling, push that thing higher, because Western Pennsylvania needs to bust through that glass ceiling that's been above it for many, many years, and I think working together will be the way.
3: All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. I appreciate it. Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks. So I thought it was interesting that, you know, he, he specifically used the example of uh, Rutgers and sort of standing back and focusing purely yeah. on local New Jersey talent for football. And now he's sort of seeing parallels on how, you know, local colleges can succeed doing the same thing. And that, that sort of echoes what you've been saying pretty much all season, right?
5: Yeah, I mean, you you, you have to have, yeah, you, you, you have. To, I mean, I think that the college programs, uh, you know, want to develop a stronger identity of who they are, where they're, you know, um, and you know, being having players that represent, you know, the team and come from this region. I think is important. I think even if it's building starting small and having a player here, a player there, um, you have to have building blocks, and and that's how these things get, you know, get, get going. Uh, but you certainly, you know, you, you don't want to take away from, uh, you know, say uh, Jay Vitovich at Pitt. You don't want him, you know. He, I'm sure he's out there looking for the best players available mm-hmm. that could play in the ACC. And and of course, you know, he's going to look. He's just going to go with try to get the best players you can possibly get. But but you know, back to the the, the fact that the, the Riverhounds Development Academy um, and other programs in the area too are. um, you know, providing battle-tested players who play against, you know, players at the top, the highest, they're, they're trying to get them into the to areas where they could play at the highest level. I think even you'll hear, um, in Jason's comments that there's just, they, they still have a long way to go. You yeah. know, I think they're, they, they know that. Um, and they feel like, you know, they're still, um, he ke- he kept referring to the ceiling, you know, mm. we want to make sure that we, you know, can, can, can get to that point where uh, the players in Pittsburgh can reach their full potential and can have the best possible training available. Um, and he's recognizing a lot of, uh, at least through this conversation I had with him that there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done that, you know, in, in recent years that, um, you know, there's just there's been some different rips between the clubs, and um, and if the players and uh, you know are, are really spread out, I think, um, and and I think the one ongoing theme that I've heard a lot in the last three or four weeks um, from having talked to a lot of different people on this subject is, I think everybody wants um, to get on the same page, and the Riverhounds Academy obviously is is, is can be a, a key um component to all of this and um particularly at the girls side we're seeing it we're seeing mm-hmm. that you know a lot of the top players um even a couple players that had been with the beadling program had come in and played the riverhounds academy the last year or two and and, and they had some success uh, and, and contributed to, to to that to that program um and got a lot out of it as well so there was some of that yeah, you know, where, okay, we're, we're going to start to maybe cooperate a little bit more and we'll have some of, it, you know, so to have a couple of players that came from the program, and Jason talked about the importance of making sure, you know, to recognize that the, those players came and were developed through the some of these other programs as well, so. Yeah, um, and
0: yeah, I was going to say, you mentioned Things, that, yeah, he, that he said that, you know, that the, the hounds aren't the ceiling. Um, he mentioned, you know, that now we have this partnership with Columbus Crew and how, you know, really the the next level for a number of these players and really sort of pushing the envelope is with a, a, a group like Columbus Crew or somebody like DC United, somebody that's closer. And uh, Columbus Crew's Academy General Manager was actually at one of the events you were at recently as well. You got to talk to him, Dennis Sanchez. Let's, uh, let's listen to what he had to say on the subject.
3: All right, I'm with Dennis Sanchez, the director of the uh, Columbus yeah. Crew Academy, Academy. Academy General Manager. General Manager of the... Uh, Columbus crew um, so obviously being in Pittsburgh um, you guys seem to have a, a larger presence it seems like and especially in the past six months or so and it's about, about as long as you've been with the uh, yeah. academy so talk a little bit about pittsburgh and what your your thoughts are in this area in terms of soccer and maybe what your aspirations are going forward
7: yeah i think um well it started with my my predecessor in place before me michael malazzo Mm -hmm. and nico estevez um we've recognized pittsburgh as a market that um is kind of untapped potential more than anything else and i think that the players speak for themselves and, and the staff and the coaching expertise in this area um the the issue right now is that there are probably too many players that are spread out, right? So what we have to do is try to provide an opportunity for these players um, to get in the right pathway. Um, again, we're talking about the 1% to 2% um, to make that next step into whether it's a high-level collegiate uh, program or a professional program. So um, what we've tried to do and what we're doing with uh, clubs across our region is to try to work with them um, collaboratively. So that can be through coaching education um, coming in and running sessions uh, with our coaches and players um, uh, identification centers in the future um, but we do want to help the area we, we, we really feel like there's a, 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 a decent amount of players here that we could provide a pathway for in the next step
3: and and you feel like at this point you're just scratching the surface.
7: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, to to be fair, you know, I've been to Pittsburgh a few times now, but we've also had a number of players of all ages um, coming from, you know, the oldest age groups all the way down to... Oh, fives, and I think that the future is bright um, you know again it's it's what is that pathway though what is how are we helping what's uh, the, the best for that individual and I think that if, as long as we put the individual's needs in place first and again the uh, a Columbus crew might not be the best programming for everybody else and we have to respect that but I think if we look at the individual's needs first and decide what's best for that respective family then we can put them in place for uh, better future options And and right now it seems like
3: you you've spread yourself pretty wide in terms of just making touching base with a lot of the different like the clubs and of course you have the River Hounds and just all these different things that are going on here as you said. Um, is that really the approach right now?
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we want to work with everybody. I think um, if we think about America, it's how can we help the game grow, right? And so if we were to align ourselves with only one club, then you know, we're doing a detriment to the city of Pittsburgh or to the city of Columbus. So our, our mentality is to work with everybody uh, collectively together to bring everybody kind of under the same umbrella and, again, to put the individual first. Um, and I think as long as we do that, we will make great strides. But, yes, we want to work with, with everyone collaboratively.
3: Now, is this obviously all? How, talk to us a little bit about the how your organization works and closely with the the pro side as yeah. well. Obviously, there's a relationship between the Riverhounds and yep. the Columbus Crew as an affiliation. Is that uh, like some like a strategic? Um, is it a strategic thing where? Well, oh yeah. I mean, we like no, want to start from the top. And, yeah, yeah. And, you know. we. So,
7: so one of the things that the integration between mm-hmm. our first team and academy is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and that starts with our style of play. Mm-hmm. And so, the the whole idea is to have uh, a methodology that we can carry from our first team all the way down to our youngest group, which is under twelve, right? And the whole idea of that is to have the same principles. So, when the the players have an opportunity with the first team, the transition is easier. Now, they're still going to have to adapt to, uh, you know, better players potentially or the speed of the game, right? But it's not like you're going from black to white. It's a gray area. The, the, the principles are the same. The ideas, the training sessions are similar. Um, obviously, it's all relative to the certain age group, but we want players that we can bring into our system at a younger age and then develop over the years so when they get to the first team, it's uh, ingrained in, in, into their into their mind. So, um, yes, we, we, we view that as a, as a massive piece. Now, not only is the integration on the staff and player side great, or excuse me, the, the player side great, but the staff side as well. So we just had the guy that I worked uh, recently with, Nico Estevez, that got promoted to the first team. So there is a a very big... Um, push in trying to move not only players up but also staff members and you know Greg does a a fantastic job of providing opportunities for our staff to grow under his leadership along with uh, Asher Mendelson. but they provide opportunities for us to come out to first team training sessions every day which is mandatory for our staff Um, but we also do coaching workshops and there's just this constant communication of how can we improve our style of play and how can we make sure that the integration from top to bottom is, is spot
3: and then again, casting the net really wide mm-hmm. into this region. I don't know. You're looking at other. I'm sure other yep. areas I know um, as well. Um, you know. Seeing what you see here today, this mm-hmm. facility here at Cool Springs and um, the Riverhounds and having Highmark Stadium and, mm-hmm. and those type of things here in Pittsburgh, are those promising things that you guys are really excited about?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think facilities is always something that you, you want to have. But for me, it's more about the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could have a dirt field and you could have great coaches and great players and you could still produce good people and professionals. So the facilities are a plus. Um, but, yeah, I think that, that I'm more concerned and happy with the people that are in place in Pittsburgh. Um, their vision to kind of help the the game grow in, in the community um, to, to again put players first mm-hmm. uh, if we continue to do that and work together mm-hmm. we can help um, but again that we have to do that
3: right and the, that's the, the big question here i think is are, is that going to happen is can that happen is it capable of happening i mean there's been a lot of you know back and forth going you know with the various clubs here and i think trying to have some sort of unified effort yeah. to get the players to where they need to go
7: yeah I mean, ultimately it's going to be up to the clubs in the area right we can only um you know give a vision give some ideas and how we can help um you know but but we we want to help um and it's really going to be up to them to kind of you know work together um again put the individual first and think about how we can create the best pathway for that individual
3: also um as far as the um the crew academy um in terms of the girls side mm-hmm. the, the women's side um just maybe uh, talk about that briefly. I don't know that much about what's going on there and maybe how maybe even a connection to Pittsburgh might be
6: helpful.
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, to be completely honest right now, I mean, with me coming just in the academy, yeah. I think there's a lot of room for us to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to focus more on the, the guy side right now. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would uh, never say never, but I think for the foreseeable future, we're going to focus primarily on the boys' side. And that's an area where I think in,
3: uh, we're, we're here, you know, in Pittsburgh, we definitely want to strengthen that. Of, Is, of course. Yeah, I
7: mean, no, 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 I think, um, you know, we, we fully respect the women's game. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's more of, a, right. uh, I guess, budget constraints and sure. staff constraints right now. But, um, you know, we, you never know.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you know, in terms of uh, the some of the challenges that you face in terms of maybe getting the uh, some Players that you identify in this mm-hmm. area, but but still the the distance or just to whatever the other challenges might be, recognize. Yeah, I us.
7: mean, uh, I think Columbus is an interesting market for mm-hmm. sure. I think that we're. Uh, we're centrally located where we can reach these other markets uh, Pittsburgh being one but also uh, a decent amount of time away for a family to make you know, a, a three hour drive, four nights a week so we are working on some programming um, to help facilitate that one being a billet program where we'll have host families within our academy that will provide a, a house for players to live that are outside of the Columbus area so we're working on a full time program and then also a part time program um, we're also working with a lot of our um, uh, players, individual schools, to create a flexible schedule, which still allows them to balance the academic side, with then providing more opportunities uh, for them to work with us and our in our first team staff. So we have recognized that there are some um, you know minor uh, I don't say setbacks because every setback's an opportunity, but um, some ways that we have to think outside the box and help to facilitate that. And we're, we're we've recognized that and we're working towards um, helping improve that in the future.
3: Okay, and one I do have one final question. Um, that maybe in the next six months, what do you foresee your um, actual? things that you might be doing here in the Pittsburgh region.
7: So we're in the process of starting a town identification center um, which will bring in kind of all the local clubs together Mm -hmm. um, and recognize their top players and start to look at ways in which we can create that pathway for those for those players. So essentially what we're going to do in the spring is we'll develop a five to six week cycle where we're going to bring in the top players for their respective age groups um, in the area Pittsburgh area um, and then through that start to kind of drip feed our methodology our culture um, you know, what we're looking for in players, uh, you know, how our training sessions are, are structured. So I think that's just, just going to be a start of it. But that starts to bring everybody together. Um, you know, again, there, there is a there has to be an openness of the clubs to send their best players into our environment and to work with us. But again, I think the message that I've received uh, is that they, they're people are looking for that that pathway, like what is the next step? And I think that letting things happen organically and taking it slow and doing it right is an important piece, but we're going to start to do more and more in this
3: area excellent thank
7: you and we'll I'm
0: sure we'll be seeing and hearing more from you in the coming months of
7: course thank All you right. very much thank I you a pleasure.
0: It. so dennis says there's a large presence in pittsburgh with untapped potential <laughs> so i guess he's sort of agreeing with what we're saying what were your thoughts on that conversation
5: yeah i mean i it was just such a fascinating conversation uh well it was very educational for me uh you know you think you know a lot about soccer. And then you go through the last three or four weeks uh, where I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. Um, and the common thing was, I have to talk to somebody with the Columbus crew because, you know, that's, you know, what's that quote from the Godfather of Part 3? You know, all of our ship ships must sail in the same direction. I mean, that's what I'm hearing from <laughs> here yeah. is that, you know, uh, you know, if he's talking to, I've talked to, you know, people from some of the other clubs as well. And again, the common theme is, Is that you know they want to see um, we want to see um, more cooperation. We want to provide they want to provide a common pathway for the players. Now, Dennis Sanchez talked about maybe at least initially. Right now, it's like yeah, maybe at the end of the day, the crew is going to be you know maybe having that top one percent. You know, we're not talking about a lot of players here, but still the uh, through this through the interview, you could hear him talking about, um, you know, as you said, the potential, um, for Pittsburgh, you know, an untapped uh, market. And the fact is that, you know, just, there's just all this, um, possibility. And there's, there's just a lot of different things that, you know, how do you want to make the game grow? You know, and, 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 and it feels like because it's an untapped market, um, that they have, that they can, they can really help and make a difference. I think he, he had talked about that as well. So, um, yeah, it was just a, it was a great, uh, it was great to kind of wrap up a lot of legwork and the conversations and to talk about the recruiting and the different, um, um, you know, where things stand at the youth level in this area. And then to kind of finish up with a conversation with him on Sunday night, um, uh, it was, it was, it was good. And I'm, I'm glad that we were able to share that um, through this forum.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, I I knew about obviously the partnership with Columbus Crew and Riverhounds on the pro side. Um, But this was the first that I really heard of, you know, Columbus being in town and actively trying to search out players, which it makes sense. You know, they're trying to grow their circle. They have their own academy where they're trying to funnel players through their youth system. Um, You know, he talked about having them play a very specific way and having a very specific mentality so that eventually they could be feeders into the pro team. And this is very common. Um, you know, in soccer slash football all over the world. You know, you have teams like Liverpool or Chelsea or Manchester United, where they have these youth programs where you start training there as a kid and you're there for 10, 15 years until, you know, you may potentially make it up to the pro team or one of the U23 teams or something like that. And so we're just starting to see that, um, you know, take hold here in the States with the the growth of soccer um, just as, as something that people were interested in, but also with the growth of MLS and USL and all of that. And I I guess I just, I found it interesting. Um, you know, part of me thinks that it's a really good thing, especially for that 1% of players to have that pathway that they can sort of follow to the pros. But part of me is, um, I don't want to say that I'm cautious um, about that as well, because um, it's, I don't know. I don't know if pulling, you know, some of the the top talent from each of the areas is ultimately a good thing for the whole, um, like each one of the communities, or not. I don't. I don't know. What are you? What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that?
1: Yeah,
5: I mean, there there are bigger picture. Um, they, they are looking at the bigger picture because you know it's of course it's to their benefit mm-hmm. um, for the this entire region to have a higher quality of play uh, across the board. So the idea is that they will, you know, uh, uh, implement their methodology in terms of, of, of all the things that they do and the approach that they take, um, you know, from their pro team all the way down to the youngest level. I and mean, he talked about those different things and, uh, and, and, and starting to implement that here in Pittsburgh and, and, in you know, if, if all goes well, you know, they, this relationship continue to grow. And, um, you know, I think that it, it starts at the, it starts at the, at the lowest levels. And mm-hmm. I think that's the other part is that I think when they talk about the untapped potential, I, I don't think we're talking about the kids that are right now that are, you know, playing at the, at the you know, U 17, U 18, U 16, even level. I think we're talking, uh, they're going to be in identification mode, mm-hmm. um, they, they, you know he talked at the end there about you know developing an identification center bringing in the best players and all the different age groups um, and and really helping bringing them along um, to to um, you know the Columbus crew way you know the, the um, having you know having everybody on board in terms of um, you know the, the just Teaching them not only just the, the, you know the, maybe things as far as you know developing skills and things of that nature, but also their culture, and what they're looking for in players, and um, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think they they want to kind of bring everybody together in the Pittsburgh area. Hopefully, this will make kind of help make the uh, clubs that are kind of you know so spread out right now have like. In other words, right now, at this point in Pittsburgh, we do not have the the eighteen best players playing for the same clubs it's right. it's we're so spread out in terms of um there is talent here, and I think you've probably heard that in in this in his you know, sorry his comments but um but now the the key is can you know can we at least begin to um you know get everybody on the same page uh, at least in the best interest of the player and the player development, and he talks so much about the individual, and yeah. um, what's best for the individual, and in you know in soccer circles and and the, the youth development, uh, that's a very critical component is making the doing what is best for the individual player so he can develop, and what's best for you know our country is, is to, to keep developing better players, and we I think you know if you look at it, you mentioned Liverpool, you mentioned you know all the you know the great. Mm-hmm soccer clubs in the world i mean we are very far away from those those but you know i think that each of the mls academies which are at the highest level um at the youth side as well uh, under the united states soccer um, um you know system mm-hmm. um and don't get me started because it's just a lot of these youth leagues that we hear we talk about we hear about um there, there's so, there's just so many acronyms out there. Mm-hmm. You know, as, they, as the Riverhounds are participating in the E C N L um, league, and then there's other <laughs> leagues, and uh, it's just a lot. There's still a lot of things in motion. We're still not quite where we need to be as a nation, as a soccer nation, in, in terms of producing players. Maybe you know, at the rate, uh, obviously, where, where you're seeing in in Europe or or in South America and places like that. So, um, but. At least back home here in Pittsburgh, this is the pathway, the ceiling, I think because of the Columbus crew being involved, I think it raises the bar a little bit more. It, it gives more players something higher to shoot for. And that's all you can really ask, I would believe.
0: Well, let me let me ask you this. I'm, I'm going to sort of put you on the spot here a little bit. I, I agree with you that I think that having them come in and focus on the individual is ultimately good for the individual. And I think and ultimately... Um, increase the ceiling at which uh, youth Pittsburgh players are perceived because they're able to go through this program. You're going to see more high-profile players like, you know, an Adina Donahue, where she's going off and playing with the U.S. national team, and that that increases, you know, the the stature of Pittsburgh soccer. Um, but ultimately, by having by by taking these players from all of these different uh, uh, organizations and clubs that are all spread out, does this ultimately help? Or does this ultimately hurt the individual organizations themselves or the, the level of play at the individual organizations themselves? Because if you're taking all these players out from yeah, different I, places I think, and saying collectively go play yeah. here, you do have a better collective where it's here. Let's go look at these guys over here. But as a whole, does this help us or does this make us stagnant?
5: Well, I mean, I think it's going to help create more cooperation. Um, and I think maybe at the end of the day, um, we may see more clubs coming together. Uh, that's that's the potential is there. Um, of course, it it has to happen. You know, I think that, um, you know, as Jason Cutney talked about, you know, people have make a livelihood uh, in some cases for for in 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 these areas, and mm-hmm. some people do it because they're very passionate about it. There's, uh, there's a lot of that, you know, in terms of what, what the agenda is from each club. And, um, and, but at the end of the day, I think uh, the, the idea is to help, you know, the game will continue to grow. You know, it starts, it actually, it starts all the way down to the recreation level. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to the recreation level and coaching education needs to continue to improve in those areas mm-hmm. you identifying players in those areas and and then it's the next level are the clubs you know you have the, all the different clubs in the area um and then of course the next level beyond that you know you're looking at what what is the central there should be some sort. i mean every um if you look at the the, the maybe the best um template is, the way it works is that yeah, there should be a centralized training center for the best players in this in one particular, you know, a large um, populated area, you know, a region like the Western Pennsylvania, um, and and I think that's what they're working towards is that is having a, a better structure from the from the bottom all the way to the top, and I and I don't mean that just from just you know like the academy that you know the Riverhounds academy or or you know in Columbus the Crew academy i mean starting at the recreational level identifying players at very young ages and then and and hopefully bringing them along in a proper way and i think it might i think it, to answer your question i think initially there it might be difficult for some of the clubs and and you know maybe some sacrifices have to be made or or maybe there it will have to be some that will have to come together for mm-hmm. the benefit of the players. Because that's a, another common theme that you'll hear the coaches talk about. They they know that, you know, they want to do what's best for the players, but um, are they? Are they or are they willing to? Right. Uh, that's going to be the biggest question.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm not... But, I'm not, but
5: again, the common theme
0: is that... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not disagreeing with you. I was more or less playing devil's advocate there, just sort of see. Because yeah. it could go either way. And either I'm not...
5: Way. Yeah. Right. And I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I think we're all sort of taking a wait and see approach to this. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, this is, it's there's like you said, you know, we're still, the game is, has in the United States has so far to go yeah. that we're still sort of watching and waiting and seeing what, what's going to happen. But there's a lot of potential here. And I think the fact that, uh, you know, that the crew are, are, are working closely with, not just the Riverhounds, but all the local clubs. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's that could be a positive thing.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I and I, I I totally agree on your point about coaching education as well. I think if there's if there's anything that can really benefit from this trickle down approach, in addition to you know the players having more opportunity, it's this passing on more information to coaches so that collectively we we increase you know the whole, which will ultimately increase the individuals, which will ultimately help everybody. So no, I I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit before this and it sounds like you may have more thoughts on this coming out soon, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the Pittsburgh soccer report. So, um. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that's uh, pretty much it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you can find more great local soccer news over at the Pittsburgh Soccer Report at PittsburghSoccerReport.com. Like I said, John covered sort of all of this stuff. There's a ton of different articles, um, write-ups on individual players with much more information. Go check it out. It's well worth a read. For more soccer podcasts like this one, head over to the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. We recently kicked off season 2 of the Mongol show with interviews with Riverhounds owner Tuffy Schallenberger and head coach Dave Brant. So both massive shows they are a lot of fun. If you're part of the Riverhounds Development Academy, go check those out. They were a good time. Um otherwise, John, congrats to you on uh, on year 2 or, or I'm sorry, I guess Finishing year two of the Pittsburgh Soccer Report. Congrats to all of the recent college signees. John, thanks again for all that you do. And uh, thanks to everybody that's been listening. We'll talk to you all later.
5: All right. My pleasure.